Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of What's New in Cloud FinOps with myself, Stephen Old, and my friend. En oh, I thought you weren't going to start there. I was like, what's going on? Uh, but you came in with gusto just a little bit later than I expected. How are you doing, Frank? <laughs> I'm doing all good. And it was very nice yesterday to be recognized by the voice. So thanks to this podcast, someone came and said, Are you the Frank of the podcast? Oh, oh nice. And that was. That was at the meetup in London. Yeah, the FinOps meetup that also shows when we are recording this May. Yes, this May episode, <laughs> <laughs> which we've we've had ready for ages. We've just been uh, busy and things. My little one started nursery and there's been birthdays and then there's time off and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, again, showing when we're actually recording this. Um, hopefully we'll get this out in time. But on Tuesday, there's a meetup in uh Edinburgh um, for the FinOps Foundation, which I'm helping organize with Vendemora. So uh, looking forward to joining that. Um, right. So straight into it, Frank, is it your news first? Yes, mine is first. So I'm at AWS and it's announcing AWS Cost Allocation Tag API. And so if you've ever worked with the cost allocation tags, which are the ones that you need to once set up, not only set up on your EC2 instances and other product, you then need to go to the billing mm -hmm. console to enable them. Now you can do all of that through APIs. And that's going to make it so much easier to standardize and the, the, yeah, the, the, the tags that you're going to put on your resources. So you'll be able to effectively charge or charge back. So it's really, really useful, simplifies less, uh, less, simplifies everything, less manual interventions. Just, yeah, I'm, I need to find a way to use that. Yeah, it's nice. So we're doing a, a project here at the moment on, on APIs, just seeing whether we can um, basically create the, the inputs, as we call them, but basically the outputs of all the different recommendation toolings that exist in each native cloud provider. So we started AWS. I did investigation into Azure yesterday. But in AWS, you really can grab out you know, so much cool stuff from the API um, and get that additional like a level of detail that's not there on the GUI. Um, there are some kind of fun key bits where some of the areas you have to go in per account, and you can't do them from the, the payer level, which makes some sense, but it's a bit frustrating compared to CMP tools that people might be using. Um, but I think generally, um, if you're looking at using the APIs, you really should be looking at the, the native tools or um, providers who are really focused on being API um, focused. Just that that's kind of one of the big things I'm doing at the moment, maybe think about it. Because with, with having, with Azure, we're looking at the billing data APIs because actually you can get significantly superior data out of that than you can out of like this CSP piece. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you can get actual subscription data that is like the thing that we would consider a subscription, you know, in comparison to an account rather than like the Azure Pay subscription, which is a whole different thing, but called the same thing. So you're thinking, oh, I've got the subscription data and then you haven't and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, APIs are rocking my world at the moment. Okay, that's great and good time for me to know because my knowledge of Azure is, how do you say, quite far behind. <laughs> yeah, mine is steadily growing. Um, but I spent yesterday looking into, um, with a friend of mine, looking into the um, advisor recommendations, is that what it's called? Um, and I'm still trying to get my head around it a little bit, to be honest. 
Um, but the API is cool. But the actual, I was trying to work like, why is this in here and not in there, you know, or not in there and all this kind of stuff. Um, right. Onto my piece of news, AWS IoT device management announces an 80% price reduction for secure tunneling. So this is specifically for uh, secure tunneling, which allows you to remotely access uh, devices that are deployed behind like restricted areas, firewalls, or whatever it might be. So you can still do troubleshoot, com- uh, configuration updates, and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's worth noting that the way the pricing works on, um, on secure tunneling is a price per tunnel and it's that that's reduced by 80 percent so it doesn't seem like there's any kind of hidden caveats here Uh, if you're going into devices that are in uh, restricted areas and and using secure tunneling a lot this should be a superb piece of news for you nice okay yeah lots of things on security this month Mm. next one is announcing metered billing for aws data exchange for apis so I had to have a, a fast look at what data AWS Data Exchange is, and and it, it's a repository for for lots of for data sets which are yeah. curated by external companies. And I was just looking at the IMDb one, thinking I might look at that until I saw that it cost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for six months, which I decided was slightly too much for me. But wow. the, the uh, well, something like that anyway. So and the idea is that you can part of accessing that uh, AWS data, this is the data which is on AWS data exchange is through APIs. And now it will also be metered. So how many times did you call the API? How much data go through it? So it helps if you are providing the data, not just as a file, but also as an API to get the right amount of data and to charge your customer accordingly. So potentially be cheaper simply by charging per request or per query. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think, I don't know how many people are aware that Amazon own IMDb. And therefore, oh, they're yeah. selling their own <laughs> APM. Yes. That's why it's always used as an example. If you ever, um, if you rather read the docs or if you get like someone talks to you about the stuff on the, on the, um, on the data space, they always talk about IMDb. Yeah, I'm very curious if they use that. You know, that if you use recognition, mm. there is an API to notice famous people. Yeah, I'm really curious if they're not using the pictures from INDB. Yeah, I think they are. Um, Right, next one, price reductions on Amazon EC2 instances running SUSE Linux Enterprise Server, S-L-E-S-O-S. So this is around 24% saving um, versus, you know, the previous on-demand price. it, it can vary a little bit. So Virginia region, you could save 24% on a C5 large, M5 large is 22%, R5X large is 18% because um, it isn't large there. So um, the price reductions and saving plans also seems to have um, gone up. That's harder for me to check on a, on a quick run through. Um, but yeah, so overall... It looks like people are getting a better price for that uh, paid for um, enterprise Linux one. And it's interesting that they kind of push the, the saving plan option because obviously in NARI, you wouldn't have size flexibility, I don't think, with it being a licensed. And, and two years ago, I did a, a short research to understand how much was the price of uh, the uh, operating system, I can tell you, Susie was was a mess. I couldn't connect yeah. them to either number of CPU size. I got lost. It was the only one you couldn't work out. It seemed like it 
had a really odd um, maybe licensing model. So maybe they've just rationalized the, the licensing costs they've got, or they've just fixed whatever the problem was previously. Uh, so uh, that's my thinking. It was the same in the past for Microsoft stuff until they rationalized with it. So with AWS. So there is probably an agreement there or something. But yeah, I'll, I'll do a check. Cool. So next one, it's mine. Uh, is the AWS Marketplace introduces free trials for software, SaaS contracts. Mm -hmm. The idea is that in the past, if you wanted to do a trial before you buy on the on a software that you want to buy through the AWS Marketplace, you'd had to go to the vendor and do it with them directly and then buy through the Marketplace. Uh, well, this one allows you to have also trials uh, delivered through the Marketplace. So you yeah. can just keep the same system. Probably you can just start with your trial, run your trial, and then say, transform that same trial into your definitive thing. So you can really test in almost production um, from the get-go, which is a nice improvement. Lots of things in the marketplace. Yeah, I think the marketplace really is is stepping up. Um, every, except, you know, as I've spoken to you and, and to people in the foundation have been doing a big kind of tooling analysis in the in the FinOps world. And almost everyone I speak to now is like, and we're available on the marketplace. You know, and often they're talking about the AWS marketplace, but absolutely the GCP and the Azure one is becoming more, more prominent as well. And I have to say I'm seeing more organizations purchase through it. You know, a lot of people are, are buying things like Splunk through there or whatever it might be. Um and the the benefits are improving. So there's there's areas we can't talk about because of NDAs um around recognition on on marketplace to um people's certain types of commitments and that has also improved or will be improving in people's new uh, new versions of those commitments that i can't say the name of for nda purposes so i actually think it's becoming part of normal life you know they've been talking to us about oh yeah you should be doing this it makes your um your procurement life cycle easier and all of this it's actually turning into reality people are doing it you know so it's good to see right goodness me Announcing preview of Amazon EC2 P4DE GPU instances for ML training and HPC. There we go. I had to prepare myself. Uh, so <laughs> newest um, form of the uh, the DEs, the P4DEs, are out. They are massive. <laughs> uh, eight NVIDIA A100 GPUs with 800 gigabytes of high-performance HBM2E GPU memory. Um, and two times higher than GPUs in our current P4D instances. Um, where's the CPU? Where's the CPU in them? Because it's not I, it's not G, it's not. Uh... It's the NVIDIA GPUs. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the A100s. Uh, yeah, no, it's, okay, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can see anything more detailed in there, but that's all the detail we're getting. So I don't know what's behind that. Didn't mm -hmm. say. Um, I can guess, but I don't want to guess it wrong because then you know people might shout at us. Uh, the big news on our side is that uh, they provide up to 60% better ML training performance along with a 20% lower cost to train when compared to the P4D instances. Um, I imagine some of that's due to the speed, you know, so you're not paying for it for as long. That's my gut feel on that. So uh, there you get the 20%. Um, lower cost because if you're getting 60% better performance and only 20% lower cost that does mean they're more expensive but they're just doing it a lot quicker aren't they so anyway that's pretty cool they are yeah they're ginormous I don't want to say all the numbers but they're absolutely massive 
Yeah, they seem to be a, a special process of, which is called yeah. a P4 that effectively manages all. Yeah. Incredible. Yes, we're, we're going back to having lots of different specialized CPUs. You yeah. yeah, absolutely. This is back. Um, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to announce, uh, so we, we've bundled three announcements together because they're all about a new instance type from AWS, and they are all Intel. So you have the R6 ID, the M6 ID, and the C6 ID instances, So, which have been released. They are all new. They are all Intel, third generation, latest generation. Uh, uh, as they continue the the usual thing that R is for normal things, M is for memory, C is for CPU uh, intensive application. So it's really the, the way it looks like is that AWS finally managed to get uh, a lot of Intel CPUs. They've managed to install them all correctly and fun. It all works fantastic so they can release them to us to play with. So what's, so, yeah. are, are these the, I, the Ds, are they? Yeah. Yes, they are the Ds. And what, what's the difference with the D? Yeah, that's a good point. Is I'm I'm trying to. I was hoping you would not ask me that. Oh, question. sorry. <laughs> um, I don't remember the D. We worked this out once. We talk about so many different types. Is it disc? Is it? Have they got um? Disc. Yeah. I think it's disc. I think they've got uh, they a, SSDs yes, on board or something. Up to seven point six terabyte of local yeah, NV yeah. memory SSD. So it's a you can attach to that a massive SSD. And my bad for not remembering that or checking. We got there in the end, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> so right. three big instances, lots of new disk, lots of Intel. Enjoy. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, um, yeah, I'm just remembering. So I'm going to have a quick So C, like I say, compute optimized. D, storage optimized. F accelerated computing. G is also accelerated computing, but I think that's their G's are the um, GPUs. H storage, HPC compute optimized, I storage optimized. There's all sorts of I ones as we know. We don't need to go into that. M general purpose, and then R is uh, so P is accelerated computing. Mac is Mac. Um, R is memory optimized because it's for RAM, isn't it? And then T is general purpose little ones aren't they yeah, and then the the x, credits yeah x is yeah 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 the burst credits and, and then x is memory optimized but they have like the crazy ones i think it's that longest name x2 i e z n and all those ones yes um, it's an x is the really ones, Hana. it's in memory yeah, yeah. yeah there we go right i'm gonna save that page yes please <laughs> send it to me i'll send it to you there we go uh, and that's my aws uh, folder lovely um i've got to remember which one i'm on now um have we talked about announcing new amazon ec2 c7g instances powered by aws graviton 3 processors i don't think we have um no, that's, yours. No. that's mine lovely so um headline well we knew this was coming we've talked about it in the past new gravitons you know uh, they're out there a generation ahead right to to be the new shiny ones and they're fighting against the uh the new six a's and the six i's and the six id's that we talked about um and especially having to fight the six a's because of what great performance we're seeing out of those these are 25 percent better performing than the six g's so generally i have to say i'm seeing more and more of them only compared to previous generations of the same chip 
they are seeming to avoid family by family fights these days. They didn't used to, but now they do in documentation. Um, about price anymore because we've noticed that they don't talk about price. Yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and what was this? These ones we found were was seven point one percent higher, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And all the previous C6, M6, and R6I were five percent. Five percent higher. Well, yeah, five percent. Yeah, it's gone up five five percent. So while previously we used to see a reduction, we now see, and then it held steady. Um, and stayed the same, and now we're seeing an increase, um, which I think just reflects the reality of the world at the moment. Energy price and this kind of stuff, more than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just more expensive to make these chips. It's more expensive to run the data centers. So I think it is. It is what it is. Um, and they try not to ever increase the price of a service that exists. So they are trying to, and, and it does follow good maths that. You know, if it is more performant by a higher percentage than the cost increases, then it's still really more cost performant. But you've got to be basically pushing the limits of your workloads to make that make sense. Um, I really like some of the things that was in this article because they actually gave you some people that did some stuff. <laughs> what a terrible <laughs> way of describing it. Uh, Twitter ran a number of tests representative of their workloads and found that the C7Gs delivered up to 80% better performance than the previous generation C6G. In addition, they reported a reduction in tail latency of m as much as 35%. Formula One ran their computational fluid dynamics workload on C7G and found them to deliver 40% better performance than C6G. And Honeycomb IO, um, an early adopter of Graviton, saw a 35% uh, performance improvement and a 30% reduction in latency compared to the C6Gs for their telemetry ingestion workload. Um, so all impressive. Some big names in there. Uh, I think Honeycomb went on like the stage to talk about the gravitons as well at uh, reinventing one of the years. I might, I might misremembering that. Um, but I do find it interesting that they're talking about those types of workloads um, because they literally mention the um, GP, sorry, the P4DE GPU instances, which we just talked about. I'm just going to repeat what they say that they're good for, because I don't think I said it earlier. Object detection, uh, semantic segmentation, natural language processing, recommender systems, seismic analysis, and computation, computational fluid dynamics, which is actually one of the things that was being run by Formula One on these C7Gs. So you really have got a plethora of choice about your chips these days. Yes, and they are very specialized. You could see also with the C7G yeah. performances how they are different, even between the generations they are vastly different is where the um, depending on whether improvement in the cpu was done is it the number of threads is it the pure yeah. capacity can is it yeah the kind of math i don't remember mm. how you call that the floated yeah the floats. point uh floating point unit <laughs> oh cool um next is mine so amazon ec2 auto scaling now backfills predictive scaling forecast so you can quickly validate forecast accuracy and so this is um, a feature related to EC2 auto-scaling. It means that uh, auto-scaling, you can enable it to look in the past 14 days. And based on those 14 days, auto-scaling will try to forecast the demand uh, ahead of time so that you will never have to reactively 
let's say, add new uh, instances. In the past, you needed to wait some days, up to 14, in effect, to get that forecast. Now, the system is capable of going back in the history and understand uh, what's available. So as soon as you turn on these predictive or these uh, predictive scaling forecasts, it, the system will be immediately able to go back 14 days, do all the math, and start immediately to work at its peak capacity instead of having to wait for some days for the data to arrive. Didn't they using CloudWatch behind the scenes? CloudWatch keeps 14 days by standard, doesn't it? It might just be that they keep exactly yeah. those stats for absolutely everyone for yeah, yeah. 14 20 days. days and they Whatever, just delete yeah. it after 20 days. So if you turn it on, it's going to work. Um, yeah. To offer support, they need to be keeping lots of what's going on, don't they? So. Yes, anyway. So, yes. Cool. Um, no, I like that one. I do. I mean, we always talk about the challenge of forecast. I think we should probably do another episode on forecast at some point because we get asked about it a lot still. Um, I just, and just a, a talk on forecasting at the, the FinOpsX event. That was cool. I need yeah. to present that to you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We should do an episode on that. Um, right. Amazon EC2 i4i metal instances are now available. Guys, I know there's been so many instance types, um, but they all have very kind of specific areas. Um, and again, this one has, you know, all core turbo frequency, um, 3.5 gigahertz, offers up to 30% better compute price performance over the i3 instances. So we can't not mention them because they get another way of saving money by upgrading. However, this is metal instances. It's generally a little bit harder to uh, migrate depending on how you're using them, um, but they are cool. And that's all I'm going to say, because I feel like I've bored people with chips. Yes, and, and I'm going to continue, unfortunately, because we have <laughs> what is X2IDN and X2IEDN instances available in more region than bare metal size. So as wow. we discussed before, as Steve was very kind to tell us with the list, the X is about in-memory database, and it is, they say, a 16 to 1 ratio of memory to vCPU. So overall, it's uh, they're available, they're SAP certified, they're really good for uh, in-memory database analytics, big data processing, and all this kind of stuff. So if you use them, they're available in more regions. Yeah, and bare metal now. Nice. Uh, right finally everybody we are onto a new cloud um i would like to tell you that on google cloud we're introducing granular instance sizing for cloud spanner is now run from production workloads as low as 40 dollars a month i can't remember whether we talked about this when it first happened it was last year where they uh, actually introduced um granular instance sizing in preview and i think that was about 65 dollars a month you can now get it for $40 um, a month, as you can receive a 40% discount for a three-year commitment. Um, so for those of you who don't know what Cloud Spanner is, it's amazing. Uh, it's a relational database that has incredible availability stats, unlimited scale. It's global. It's persistent. It's pure magic. Um, I've had the joy of using it in a project. Um, it used to be incredibly expensive but it it did a job that nothing else did anyway you know it's now becoming uh, a tool that you can use for more and more things it doesn't have to be quite a specific use case because it's just such a great technology um i won't go into how it works it, it uses um things known as processor units in addition to nodes to to work out your granular pricing um 
but yeah, it's it's really cool, and it's just showing that uh, kind of going back to Google's initial ethos of you know it's not about t-shirt sizing. Um, this mm-hmm. you know it's more about getting the right right thing, which I think if we look at the sustainability side as well, uh, is absolutely more important that people are getting the size instances that are right for them. Do you agree? Yeah. Next one, still Google Cloud, so introducing high-performance confidential computing with N2D and C2D. So these are uh, AMD machines, and the idea is that, based on my understanding, that even in-memory elaborations of your data is going to be encrypted. So that normally, even if you, there is someone managed to put a virus inside the server, that virus should not be able to read the content of the memory of the running processes. And that, that's quite big. The most, uh, the biggest blocker in the past to this kind of technology was the fact that that was slowing down overall the performance of the servers. And it seems that now that has been sold. I don't know how amazing work from AMD then Google. Yeah, but it's, it seems to be uh, perfect and easy to enable. As uh, Steve said, yeah, there are some, inter- it's interesting that representing yellow, they're talking about a yellow dog who effectively used that and made it work. But once again, yes, the, the MD Epic processors are, are really doing something which until recently was considered very hard slash impossible. Yeah, so, I was, well, I was yeah. I was literally on the phone to Yellow Dog today. Uh, I say the phone. I was on Zoom with them, <coughs> talking about their um, their index, which has like some sustainability stuff, which is really cool. So uh, we might get them on in the future. Uh, right, I've got to remember the title. This one: Introducing GKE Cost Estimator Built Right Into the Google Cloud Console. Um, so obviously, kind of forecast and, and cost estimation is always an important part of FinOps and getting it right. Um, what I like about this is this specific piece. Uh, this is just the latest of a number of features to help you understand and optimize your GK environment. For example, GK's built-in workload right-sizing or GK cost optimization insights. In addition, if you use GK Autopilot, you pay for resources that you requested uh, for your current scheduled pods, eliminating the need to manage the cost, cost nodes, uh, the cost of nodes, sorry. So loads of things that we I think we briefly talked about a little bit in, in previous ones, but just to say how many different things there are now that are helping you manage your uh, Kubernetes yeah. cost in, in GKE um, and that you um, that people generally find on the survey, 42% of surveyed customers report Google Cloud saves them up to 30% over three years. Um, just by you know the nature of how it's working, trying to give you the visibility and um, some of these kind of stuffs, and we obviously had um, our friend Webb talking around that world as well, and uh, and cost estimation, cost management for Kubernetes on a previous episode. That if you've not listened to, you should go back and listen to. Oh yes, and I continue with the G. So you just talked about the the next topic, which is a GKE workload right sizing, but the. Mm. Uh, improvement around that is not only it will provide you with recommendations, but it, you will can also uh, enable it to execute on those recommendations. So in a matter of nice. seconds, you can not only get information, but also do the optimization. So if you add that with all the automation that's coming out, you would get, we will, yeah, we're, we're really getting into an extremely optimized uh, Kubernetes environment. That's really yep. useful between between all that information 
that capabilities of acting on it. And as we discussed with web, for example, Cubicost and the new uh, open cost project, that will that is really moving forward as the next platform on which you have total visibility and total control being Kubernetes. Nice. So, really cool. Right. Blast through the next one um, because it's FinOpsy, but it's not it's not um, the most exciting, although I think some people will disagree. Google Cloud VMware Engine optimize application licensing costs with custom core counts. It's exactly what it says in the tin. Uh, they introduced a capability called custom core counts, giving you the flexibility to configure your clusters to help meet your application-specific licensing requirements and reduce costs. It is not super granular. It is basically multiples of four. Um, up to 36 so you can you can choose your core count your physical core counts up to 36 on the vmware engine uh, i yes i think if i remember correctly long time ago in a past life when you wanted to have an oracle license for example it needed to be licensed for all the cpus available in your virtual yeah. environment which was absolutely massive usually yeah so you could not exactly. put that there this might mean that you can only pay for four and it's cost Huge quite, amount of money, but only pay for four at a, at a time. Yeah, quite some years ago, I was helping an organization move to Google, and Oracle and Google hadn't come to an agreement yet. And basically, they were saying if anyone runs Oracle on G uh, Compute Engine GCE, as it was known at the time, you would have to pay to cover every core in GCE. I mean, they would obviously never really enforce that, but that's what they were saying. You come to a deal with us or, you know, we'll tell our customers that they'll have to pay for every core in the data center that is connected to or this. Like, no. yeah. <laughs> um, and at the time, they were fall the Oracle were busy falling out with AWS. I was a bit like, do you really want to pick another fight? But uh, I think they've got it sorted now. And, and this is a, another way of attacking it. And, you know, uh, the, I, I still haven't come across that many people using the VMware um engines in each of the clouds but uh, i do actually know people are using the, the google cloud once uh, i've moved to my current uh, job we, we've seen we, we we were discussing with someone who wants to move uh to use the vmware as a as an intermediate step towards the migration yeah that's uh, I, I was in a project like that i fortunately got out of it before it migrated but yeah so next is azure and as quite often, unfortunately, I can read you the title and some of the content, but then I will struggle to comment. Because So the Azure NCA 100 V4 Virtual Machine for AI. So that really uh, does sounds like the previous announcement that you did, Steve, I think on the P4, uh, th there was an instant step, which was just... Uh, oh, yeah, really so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so one. this is roughly the same thing, but for Azure. So they are, yeah, you have P4DE. So mm. in this case, again, it's AMD uh, Epic Milan processors, and they are connected with NVIDIA A100 Tensor Core. So again, very much on uh, ML and AI. And that's a new generation for you, available from now. Oh, yeah, so there they actually told you it was the Mr. Milan chip, so okay, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Not the Rome share, <clears throat> yeah. I wonder if it's the same for the people that you like it, just doesn't say we've only got the, the GPU piece on top. Um, right, my last one, a really mm -hmm. easy one, actually. I finished on a really easy one automate scheduled emails of your cost views via API. This is in the Azure Cost Management. Um, there's now scheduled emails uh, API, which uh, is that easy, so you can just uh, pull out your your cost views and get them sent to you via email. 
rather than just having to set up a job. But you kind of still have to call the API to do it. You know, it's a little addition. It's just a scheduled action API. Okay. And my last is generally available DCSV3 and DCDSV3 series virtual machine. So still on Azure. And this is, again, so this is on Intel, but this is, again, like something we said before for other cloud providers, it is about encryption and total memory encryption. Uh, but in this case, it is using the Intel capabilities, and in particular, which is quite cool, is you can use your unique keys. So you can use your own encryption oh, nice. keys to encrypt the content of the memory of your VMs. Uh, how does that play with uh, the shared responsibility model? I don't know, mm. but uh, must be quite, uh, but it, it's really cool. I, I, I always like when uh, security, you really have control over keys and you can you can manage them in different ways. You need to be massive to do it effectively, but it is always positive uh, to have more options on security than less. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I yeah, believe that's us. Yeah, give me a, the, the, just to say, if someone can effectively tell me what uh, the size of the enclave page cache has increased 1,500 times, I would love to better understand what that that means uh, as usual. So yeah, please feel free to contact me anywhere or contact us yeah. and uh, explain. And teachers, please. <laughs> yes, come over to the podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks, Frank. That's all news I've got. It's quite a lot this month. So sorry, guys, if it's gone on. Uh, but you know a lot more about instances now. Yes. And uh, well, thank you for listening. And have a fantastic rest of the month. Fantastic. Bye, everyone.